Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I have no particular hallmark message for success for you, but I hope that what I shall say will show you uh, the possibilities of a life of enjoyment, excitement, and indeed fulfillment. Now, I'm going to keep to my notes to try to get it in in the 10 minutes so that uh, there'll be an opportunity for a question or two. I'm an archaeologist, a paleoanthropologist, if you like, and I've been engaged on research in Africa for most of the last 44 years since January 1938. That was when I arrived in Zambia to develop what was later to become the National Museum of that country. This was in the little town of Livingston, named after that great explorer, six miles from the Victoria Falls, uh, which is one and a half miles of spectacle of absolutely unforgettable natural grandeur, grandeur 376 feet in a single drop. Those were colonial days when not a little persuasion was required to convince the powers that were that a study of prehistory, particularly the prehistory of Africa, had anything very much to contribute uh, to the world of today. When I started off with a degree from Christ College, Cambridge, in archaeology and, and anthropology, the nearest fellow archaeologists to me in Africa were 300 miles away to the south and about 1,000 miles away to the north. That was Lewis Leakey. And I was the only trained archaeologist within several million square kilometers of plateau land between East and South Africa. So we had plenty of country to play around in, but we lacked the opportunity and the means to get around most of it. For the first three years of fieldwork, I used my own ancient B-model Ford and was allowed the sum of 15 pounds, about $30 on today's values, uh, a year. Uh, not exactly lavish, but of course one could do a little more on it in those days. But I was young and fit, and I'd rode uh, one of the finest uh, ways of teaching you precision and cooperation with a team both at school and at Cambridge, and I was full of enthusiasm as well. So much about, about Africa was exciting, and that excitement and sense of fulfillment has, I'm glad to say, in no way diminished uh, with the years. It seems highly likely that Darwin would be found to have been right when he predicted that it might have been somewhere in the tropics, perhaps in Africa, that we, humankind, had our genesis. In 1938, though, <clears throat> there was still no means, uh, it was by no means clear at all that we had anything to show for it other than a few um, southern ape rema fossil remains, Australopithecines as they're called, from South Africa, the taxonomic status of which uh, was uh, hotly debated. But Lewis Leakey had begun his work at Oldaway Gorge in northern Tanzania, where a remarkable record of animal and human evolutionary history has come to light. So the search has gradually intensified and focused on the Great Rift Valley, where deep sediments preserve a unique record back, as we now know, uh, to around six, seven millions, uh, million years or more ago. But in the beginning of the work, we had no idea how old in terms of years were the buried remains of tools and animals uh, with, uh, for which we were searching uh, and with which we were working. It was not until the 1950s that the radiocarbon method was developed by Willard Libby, and it was still later that the dating of older rocks by various other radiometric methods, notably that of potassium argon, uh, were perfected. 
This revolutionized our ideas of chronology and doubled the excitement of the research of the search for our ancestors and the artifacts that provide the clues to their behavior. Of course, if you want to know what they were doing, what they were capable of doing, you look at the bones. If you don't want to know what they were doing, then you have to look at the artifacts which give you the clue to the behavior. Today, the central place of Africa in the long record of human evolution is beyond dispute. It has been the discoveries made since the Second World War that have been responsible for this, uh, together, of course, with the collaboration between scholars in the natural and the earth sciences, uh, in the humanities, in chemistry and physics. Nuclear physicists come to us and say, for God's sake, give us something interesting to do in archaeology. Uh, 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 and uh, it is this collaboration, this teamwork, that has brought about uh, our present understanding. Such systematic teamwork only really began in the 1960s. Before that, prehistorians worked largely on their own, uh, or at best with a geologist, uh, but we were still able to do uh, quite a lot nonetheless. Now, for me, the war years, when I was in Ethiopia and Somalia, taught me something about the varied, uh, uh, how varied the peoples and the ecology of Africa uh, uh, was, uh, and to appreciate uh, their values and to understand something of the way of, of other people's lifestyles. And this was some of the happiest times of my life, spent walking through the African bush discussing a wide range of topics for big game, from big game down to the skills of the local witch doctor. The Horn of Africa is extremely rich in stone artifacts, and I was able to collect stone tools and record evidence of their occurrence on a number of localities uh, that whetted my appetite to return there one day. At last, uh, we were indeed able to get back there, but before we did so, we had several other reasonably successful season's work in other, other unique localities, particularly the Colombo Falls on the plateau at the other end uh, of Zambia, the south end of Lake Tanganyika. One of the most exciting moments, I think, of my career was when I dropped down a high bank to the river's edge uh, to find mint-fresh uh, lower Paleolithic artifacts bifaces, these big uh, stereotype standardized tools eroding from sandy silts that were full of carbonized tree trunks. And the record here has stretched from about 200,000 years ago up to the present. And Colombo Falls has preserved a unique record of the regular use of fire by the descendants of Homo erectus and some of the wooden tools as well, clubs and digging sticks uh, that date from that time. Another unforgettable experience was our 1970-71 expedition to the central Sahara. As we moved across the desert in a Land Rover, the sand of the dunes seemed to merge into the sky so that one's horizon was reduced to only a few yards. And you had to take great care that you didn't find yourself hurtling down the precipitously steep leeward side of a dune very suddenly. Here in the Tenere Desert, no one lives. The solitude is immense and impressive, and indeed Greta Garbo would have loved it. But the richness of the archaeology from all periods has to be seen to be believed. The wind blows away all the enveloping sand and lays bare the adzes of, a, of an early woodworker or a woman's pots with the hackberry fruits that she had stored in them some 6,000 years ago. 
or again we can find up the chopped up bones from a long lost meal, past meal, all just as the last occupants of the site left them, never to return and preserved by the rapidity of the advancing desert. In 1974, the opportunity came to return to Ethiopia. I had moved to the University of California at Berkeley by that time, and this was the first of four seasons fieldwork uh, that have culminated in some of the most exciting discoveries. These were made in the middle Awash section of the Afar Rift, not all, all that far south of the localities at Hadar, where Donald Johansson and Maurice Tayeb recovered the unsurpassed evidence of the earliest true hominid form of which we now have excellent record, Australopithecus afarensis, as it is called. The Afar is low-lying, arid, and very hot. Uh, it's around about 115 to 120 degrees in the shade, although we haven't found very much shade there as yet. <laughs> On the west and the southeast, it is bordered by steep escarpments leading to the plateau some 4,000, 12,000 feet or so high in places. In this vast sink, deep sediments, hundreds of feet thick, are preserved, providing a record back to six million years or more ago, uh, right up to the present day. Interbedded volcanic rocks provide marker beds for correlation between localities, and some of these volcanic ashes uh, are radiometrically datable. The fossil remains of animals are quite superb in their, in their profusion and their completeness. In fact, you could almost hardly walk in some places without walking on a fossil. At about one and a half million years ago, stone artifacts in profusion appear in the record and are of the greatest interest since they are the clues, as I say, to the different activities and to the ways in which these early hominids lived and behaved. Some sites have a multitude of tools. Some represent brief episodes of a day or more and a single set of activities. Butchery sites of single large animals and home bases, as they have come to be called, can be recognized with the products of several days' hunting and scavenging. Most exciting was the discovery of the upper end of the thigh bone and a portion of a primitive hominid skull that uh, on the faunal evidence and on potassium argon dating are four million years plus or minus a hundred thousand year, million years ago. A hundred thousand, sorry, years ago. This was, I suppose, the most important discovery in which I've had a hand. The thigh bone always show, thigh bone shows that our early ancestors walked upright long before their brains had developed. This supports the hypothesis that large-brained hominids only developed some two million years later, and these new fossils, therefore, are likely to lie close to the common ancestor from which our own and the Pongid lineages diverged perhaps six to seven million years ago. How did we find these fossils? The answer is by teamwork. This is the clue to the advances in understanding human origins that has resulted since the 60s. We had a fine team, a magnificent team in the middle Awash of scientists with long experience of working in the Rift Valley. My colleague Tim White at Berkeley, a paleontologist who has been responsible for cleaning and study of the new fossils. Bob Walter, the geochronologist from Toronto, um, and, and uh, ge other geologists archaeologists from uh, New Zealand, from uh, Japan, uh, micropaleontologists, and of course students from Berkeley and from Ethiopia as well. This is a superb team. 
and we made our own motorable tracks, repaired our own rather decrepit vehicles, and always worked closely together on the survey. The reason why we had such a successful season last year was the expertise and the tremendous energy that everyone contributed. And I think that uh, perhaps the finest a time for me was to know uh, that I had the privilege of leading that team. The greatest credit goes to all members of this joint enterprise, and I emphasize the joint enterprise. Our special thanks must also go to our Ethiopian colleagues and hosts, for it was their constant help and advice and the cordiality with which we were received that has made this an unsurpassed field season and holds out the promise of even more successful seasons over the next three years when we will be returning thanks to the basic funding that we expect to receive from the National Science Foundation. Now, why is it uh, that uh, we uh, study these kinds of things? Well, we clearly need to know where it is that we have come from. We need to know what our genetic composition is so that we can plan for the future. Are we the uh, horrid, aggressive uh, killer apes that some people have suggested that we are? Or are we the more gentle food-sharing hominids uh, who uh, developed uh, society on the basis of the family. Somewhere, no doubt, between the two, the answer lies. And it is from these discoveries uh, that we and others are able to make that we are going to find the answer and we are going to be able uh, to plan and see where it is uh, we are going to go uh, in the future. Thank you.